Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. It's Friday, it's 5pm, I hope you guys have a beer in your hand. Bob, do you have a beer in your hand? Jim, I certainly do. What are you drinking, Bob? Uh, you're Bob, aren't you? Oh no, I'm Bob. Wait. Hang on a minute. No, you're... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I think you must be Bob as Brad. I guess so, yeah. This for anyone who's sort of going, what, what are these two idiots on about? Um... Our latest video we did this week, we had a comment from someone called Hello! Exclamation mark that, that simply said, looks a great beer, Bob and Jim. Um, to, to which... To which I reply, <laughs> who? <laughs> and uh, and Hello! replied, the two presenters. So I, I don't know if he's trolling us or whether he generally doesn't know we're called uh, Brad and Johnny. Uh, I, I'd like to think it's a it's a really good troll. And he's having yeah. a bit of... I mean, it is an excellent troll, if it is a troll. Mm. And we, we call each other Brad and Johnny in the video, so I don't, I, it's hard to misunderstand those. So I'm, I, th- I think he's being hysterical. I think he is. Good good work, hello, exclamation mark. We enjoyed it. There was many ruffles at CBC Towers. The, um, if, if anyone hasn't watched it yet, we've done a, an amazing homebrewing video this week about... Um, a little thing that, that Johnny was kind of fascinated by, which was a kind of uh, Starbucks-inspired pumpkin-spiced latte coffee porter, which is a bit of a mouthful. But, um, it's, it, and it is when you drink it, it as well. It I've, is, right? I've, I've just had the first sample. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so I, I kegged it yesterday. Uh, and I had a little cheeky sample of that, which we don't say in the we won't say in the video because that sort of ruins the excitement of that first taste. But uh, to to our podcast listeners, I will admit I had the cheeky sample, and it's tasting pretty good, but pretty big. Is it is it spicy as fuck? Because we put double over double the amount of spice for, for, that we were supposed to. Uh, yeah, a lot of the comments were like, "I'm worried about that level of spice." Mm, um, I'm worried about that. It's level spicy. Of spice. It's spicy. It's spicy. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's too spicy, but it's spicy. Okay, here's a question, Johnny. If it was, if it was one of the Spice Girls, which Spice Girl? What level of spicy are we talking? Oh, it's all out, Mel B. Scary spice. Yeah. Shit. It's it's full spice. Oh my god. <laughs> I guess they're all but, you know, kind I... of old spice now. But uh, Baby Spice probably would be called Old Spice now. Although I think she still looks quite Baby Spicy. 
Um, I think she's aged. Well, I don't think she has aged really. But then I haven't seen her because she does radio now, so um, I'm not entirely sure how she looks these days. No, but it's not. It's not Baby Spice. It is. It is Scary Spice. Scary sure. Spice. Wow. 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 Um, but I think it's quite enjoyable. We'll see what it's like once it's uh, once it's carbonated up. Surely it's Ginger Spice, seeing as there's ginger in there. Oh, I've missed a real <laughs> opportunity there, haven't I? Should we go back? No. 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 We record this live. We don't go back, but yeah, I've missed it there. Which, You've got the glory. Which was your uh, favourite Spice Girl, Johnny, back in the day when we were both younger men? And, uh, you know, <sighs> such things were very interesting when you were a, a teenage boy. I don't I don't really know, because I, th- I was too young to find them attractive. Yes. I, um, mine was Jerry, without a doubt, back in the day. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think, I mean, well, I think I was nine... Okay, maybe yeah, when yeah. when the first album came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a bit older than you, obviously. Th- I've got some years on you, so I was I was a teenager <laughs> at that point. Right. So you were you were fully invested in in the looks of the Spice Girls. Like, well, wow, this is interesting. Here are these people jiggling around and uh, wearing Union Jack mini micro. I think they call it a micro skirt. I can't even remember what it was called. It was eye popping anyway <laughs> when I was a teenage lad. But anyway, as a as a singer, Mel, Mel C has always been my favourite. She got a good um, voice, hasn't she? She's got a great voice. Yeah, yeah she yeah. does. Really, really unique voice. And um, "Baby When You're Gone" with Brian Adams is still <laughs> still on my Christmas playlist every year. You're, There's something about that song. You're a cheese ball, Johnny. We, you you love <laughs> Brian Adams, don't you? So uh... I well, I don't I don't think I like any other Brian Adams songs, um, I, but I like I other Mel C songs. I don't, oh, do you? This is this yeah. is a this is a real insight into your musical taste. Never be the same again. Never go on, sing me a little bit of Never Be the Same Again. No, I'm not I'm no struggling. I'm not falling into this trap. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> I could never do it justice. People will just have to I'll put I'll put a link in the description box to the best of Mel C. What? Um, it, and we'll move swiftly on. No, oh, I wanna keep what talking want about to? Spice Girls. <laughs> I wanna I wanna say which is your Spice Girls song or which song would we call this beer? Oh, you think we need to name it after the Spice Girls? I, no, probably not. It's a real tangent. But I'd, I'd call it Spice Up Your Life, eh? Because that's about the only one I can remember the name of. And it sort of seems <laughs> appropriate with the level of spice we've got going on. And it, it does work. But there you go. It's called Spice Up Your Life. Nice. That's on the second thumbnail. Nice. Um, yeah, so this week's video, as, as we've, we, we said and then got derailed by Spice Girls, is all about pumpkin beers, which are, of course, an incredibly controversial style, although I'd argue that the controversy is kind of manufactured. Like, we all drink stuff, all drink beers with mad stuff in these days anyway, so I don't quite know why pumpkin beer has been singled out as the one that we think is a step too far. Um, you know, there's marshmallows and burgers being put into beer, but... You know, the addition of cinnamon, clove and ginger is like, what? Is it? No. Do you think it's because it's it's been around the longest of any of the sort of, you know, kind of pastry stout kind of styles? Um, it, 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 oh, and, and it also has that connection with that incredibly sweet, over the top, coffee, non-coffee Starbucks uh, thing, which has sold, I googled it, it's sold 400 million um PSLs uh, since 2006. For anyone not in the know, a PSL is a PSL. You're abbreviating pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice latte. latte Mate, there's PSL Day. It's a huge <laughs> phenomenon out statewide. Uh, PSL Day, which apparently was in August this year, which is the earliest it's ever been. So they're just 
They're just kind of... Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of hate for like the seasonal creep that pumpkin beers and clearly pumpkin spice latte has where it gets earlier and earlier because all these breweries are trying to get the jump on each other, trying to be the first to release it because obviously the sales would be biggest if, if you're out there and there's no one else. So it has has crept forward. It has been around for a long time. And I think there probably was a period where just everybody was making them. Um and perhaps it clogged up the aisles of, of beer shops in the early 2000s, um, and people didn't enjoy that. But I, I think the, those additions are great. I think it's a great autumn style of brewing, particularly if you make it a coffee porter like we have. Yes, I agree. I think it's, you know, like this is the wonderful world of beer. We can, we can make it taste like pretty much anything else uh, when we're talking about pastry. So... You know why the hell not? Why wouldn't you want it to taste like that? It's kind of cool, man. It's you know you can you can uh, live your your wildest dreams within the realms of beer. Um, Crash cut to us actually tasting this beer and going, nope, it's disgusting. <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> and I, and I think we should open up a, a, a specialist brewery called the Spice Boys, where we only brew uh, pumpkin spiced latte beer, and we we release it in the summertime to beat. And then Everyone. we declare ourselves bankrupt. No, because we're going to release it and beat the curve. And we're going to like, everyone is going to buy the Spice Boys Pumpkin Spice. What, Spice Boys PSL 2021. That's a hashtag <laughs> for you. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I'll think on that one. Okay. Um, yeah. So in the video, we we tell you that most of the recipe, we, we'll release the recipe pretty soon. And we have a lot of fun tasting the Starbucks uh, PSL, as Brad calls it, which is disgustingly sweet. Uh, and we also feature Andy Parker, who's the founder of Elusive Brew, who were in our last Bubble episode, all about homebrew, which came out a couple of weeks ago. So you can see him and, and see his brewery and what he does uh, in that video, as well as seeing us brew the pumpkin beer. I, I haven't spoken to Andy much since the video went live, but I like to think, or I expect, he is disgusted by the direction we took that beer. <laughs> um, but maybe not. Maybe he'll enjoy it. We'll be sending him a bottle. I'm I'm hoping. I kegged it, kegged it yesterday. No, it must have been two days ago I kegged it. And I'm hoping it's going to be carved enough that I can bottle one and send it to him so that he can taste it for the video like we did with uh, Verdant and our New England IPA video so we can get his his feedback. Um, we've, we've already done your comment. Should we do my comment for the week? Yeah, I've got one more comment, which I'm just going to sneak oh, in. Oh, have there. you? Go on. From DRK... Go on, uh slash slash h not slash the something a little line don't know what it's called he said vote for brad 2020 make america taste again (laughs) Uh, i enjoy that i said i said can johnny be vp and there was no response no response (laughs) so i don't know why vote for brad 2020 but i'm into it um well it's because it's because you gave a speech to congress halfway through the video of course i did i totally see i've forgotten already that was great, yeah. where you put the... Um, du, 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 Bit of Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> oh, was it Spot? Okay, I've, I've sung the wrong tune. Anyway, um, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. That's the one. Yes. There you go. We got, we got a musical interlude in we there, did. despite me not doing Mel C. On to your comment, um, Johnny. Sorry for... On to my comment. You. That's all right. Uh, so, yeah... This comment doesn't actually come from the this week's video. We try to do it with this week's video usually, but I got such a great comment on a really old video that I had to revisit it. Um, and it was a comment on a video that we did with Sarah Warman, who uh, works for BrewDog and did have her own YouTube channel. Um, and occasionally, I think, still appears on Sunday Brunch, which is an English uh, 
hangover TV show, basically. Um, we did a video with her called Busting Myths About Beer, in which one of the myths uh, we tackled was that lager is boring. Right. Um, and we got a comment uh, two days ago from Chathura Asanga Kula Singh, um, who said, I'm commenting back regarding the belief lager is boring. The first time I commented on this video, honestly, lager beers were boring to me because I'd never tried many ales. Once I started to try more and more ales, consciously by concentrating on different tastes, aromas and mouthfeel, miraculously I happened to discover similar qualities in lager type beers too. And now I completely agree with your statement that lagers are not boring. But to realise that, I had to taste ale. That's that's the first half of the comment. He then goes into lots, lots more detail, which I won't uh, continue to read out. But if if I could, you know, if, if people could take one thing away from the craft beer channel, it would possibly be that lager is great. That would be the thing I'd want to push on people. Yeah. Yeah, no, me, I agree um, too. I think that's cool that he's come back years later and commented, yeah, I kind of, I've I've learned, you know, I've, I've kind of learnt along the way. I've gone around the lager wheel. Sorry, the, uh, the you know, the 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 world of of uh, beer, and I've I've tried everything maybe, and I've come back and realised that there's there's a greatness to lager that I didn't yeah. initially perceive, or um, you know, I kind of wrote it off. So that's you know, you're a big man if you can hold your hands up, especially on a YouTube comment, and say got it wrong and. Uh, and also, do you think? Uh, do you reckon that's been playing on his mind for six years or however long that's, that comment's been? <laughs> I don't know. That? Yeah, maybe it's been playing on his mind, or maybe just um, it got suggested in his videos again. He was like, "Oh God, I remember when I commented on that. I should go back <laughs> and, and and update them." Right um, or wrong, it's just wonderful to see nuance and development of argument in a YouTube comment, which doesn't usually no, happen. No, um, yeah, amazing. And yeah, it's really heartwarming. Like we've all been there. We've all been lager haters. When I first got into craft beer, it was because I thought lager sucked, and you know, I, I, it's because I'd never tried good lager. And through like like Chathura says, like through tasting amazing IPAs, imperial stouts, sour beers, and stuff, and you start to appreciate the variation, but also the nuances the little touches that make these beers different, you go back to lager and suddenly you can tell the difference between a good and a bad lager. Mm. Um, and actually, once you've sort of educated your palate a bit and learnt a little bit, the, the difference is light and day, whereas when you first get into beer, you feel like all lagers taste the same. And that's totally, um, I think, everybody's journey. It's not a, a snooty thing to say, hopefully. It's just you don't know enough to realise because lager is a very subtle, subtle, uh, subtle drink. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah. That was a wonderful comment to receive. So huge thanks to Chathura. Interestingly, in our video, What is Pilsner, which we released a couple of weeks ago, and it's done really, really well. Like, clearly there's a lot of people wanting to know, you know, the difference between Pilsner and other lager-type beers. Um, loads of comments were like, lager is shit, lager is boring, to which I responded every single time. Like, um, we all say that to start with, and I promise you, you're going you're gonna to come around. They all do. Um We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll get a comment in two years go, from the same people going, I still fucking hate lager. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's our comment of the week and our video of the week. And obviously next week will be part two of our homebrewing exploits into pumpkin beer. Uh, we've got a big and in-depth recorded question for this week. So I suggest we dive into that because it might take the rest of the episode. Let's do it. Um, so this question comes from Andy Topham, who I think is one of our Patreons. So be more like Andy. Um, 
And he sent us a good long email and a good long question, which I'll play now, and we will come back and answer his multiple, uh, multi-level question. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Hello, Brad and Johnny. Um, this is a question um, about technology and how breweries use technology, and maybe more from a digital marketing perspective. After your appearance on Untap the other week, it's something that's been nagging me for a while. It's mainly about how breweries have taken to seemingly ridicule people who've given them poor reviews, and you see the likes of Untap Tall Stars. Whilst I can understand it's really frustrating, but it comes across as incredibly petty and disingenuous just to the people who've purchased their beer that are, that are willing to lead the reviews. Uh, and, and maybe this is maybe this is something that other apps will be picking up. And I know that there's Brewer's Eye that's that's out there at the moment, and there's camera ones like Cask Finder and Brew to You that, that are looking to help brewers uh, and pubs. Maybe this leads onto a larger question about technology and how it's used uh, and how it's driven. Uh, tap lists and stock and how it's used in tap rooms. I get the speed and effort of producing a rotating tap list but having a chalkboard with a, or a paper menu with small fonts yeah, yeah, on a dark piece of paper in a really dimly lit pub or bar in 2020 it's just poor. Not least of which from an accessibility perspective technology is there to help and should be embraced and should be used to enhance. Maybe Brad uh, has got an opinion on this uh, as a designer and, and how breweries use um, imagery and how it's used in technology. So Andy, thank you very much for that question. Uh, I guess there's two kind of elements to it. The first one is what do we think of breweries, you know, fighting back against bad reviews online? Yeah. Um, and then what do we think about the use of technology in pubs and bars? So should we tackle the first one first? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Um, so Brad, Brad is not a social media, well, you're an Instagrammer, but you don't love the other socials. So yeah. You haven't really seen this happening. No, I mean, I, I'm, I, I guess in a way I'm kind of, I kind of steer clear of it because I don't like, um, tickers and stuff. I don't, I'm not really into the sort of culture of ticking stuff off and, um, you know, kind of like, you know, every, you know, opinions are very personal to, to, to yourself and. And and I feel like if you've got, you know, sometimes if you've got nothing nice to say, maybe don't say it. But um, I can appreciate that the, the, these tools are out there untapped and all these other things. But I think they're great. They're really great. Um, and, and obviously we've, we've had a good chat with the founder of Untapped a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I think they're, they're really valid. But I would agree that it's not really... Um, a very grown up for a uh, response for a brewery to come back at a bad review and sort of 
calls call someone out or be mean to them um because at the end of the day you know they're an individual they're entitled to their opinion uh but it's a, it, it's kind of a it's a two it's a kind of a double-edged sword isn't it because you know a bad opinion from someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about uh he might not understand why a beer tastes how it does can really kind of you know uh spoil uh, the opinion on a beer. So I can see why a brewer or a brewery might take it very personally and and, and lash out. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the bad responses come from. It comes from the brewer taking it personally. Um, and I also think that maybe what we forget when we see these reactions from breweries to bad reviews is that that's probably not the first bad review they've had. So they've probably not commented on 20 or 30 reviews and finally <laughs> kind of... The straw that broke the camel's back, and they've 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 burst. Uh, that's a mixed metaphor. There, camels don't burst when you put straw on them. It's like um, uh, it's like um, Michael Douglas in Falling Down, where he just snaps one day, and he starts going mental. He's he they are that that's the sort of thing that it, life has got too much for them, and then they just snap and they just lash out. I'm not I'm not defending that. But I, I can sympathise from from doing the YouTube comments. You know, every day, every morning, I'll sit down and I'll go through the YouTube comments. And sometimes you get, you know, fifty comments on a video that are all the same and are all negative. And you want you you don't want to respond to them because you don't, you know, you don't want to f- sort of fuel the flames or anything like that. But eventually, one, you just like I've got to respond because otherwise, it looks like. I haven't got a response. And I think that's why breweries do respond because they don't actually have a voice in these reviews unless they comment. So it's sort of a review is put out there and there's no chance for, for no sort of right of reply. So I get why they do respond. What I agree with Andy um, about completely is that how that's being done is very often wrong. So it's often sneering or it's posting it on other mediums going, look at this person, they know nothing. Like what that response has to be is sorry you felt that way we'll take this on board and here in the meantime is somewhere you can go where you might learn why it tasted like that or why we did it like this which is you know what our, all of our videos are trying to do it's trying to say you know beers taste like this because of this so you know if you say you don't like sour beer and they give you a bad review because it's a sour beer you can go hey like yeah i get you know sours aren't for everyone here's some exciting content you should watch that might get you enthused about sours and you can start to understand why these flavors are here and why we love them and why we do it that way just you know seeing those people who those breweries that repost like not a sour uh not a sour lover one star i mean i've done that as well because it's deeply frustrating but we could all collectively yeah education is often the answer when uh faced with um stupidity or well, ignorance <laughs> yeah. ignorance yeah yes yeah absolutely so yeah i think breweries could do it a lot better than they're doing yeah and it's you know like you say it's about education and, and it's maybe about taking the higher ground the higher ground and just sort of rising above the, the, not trolling necessarily but um if someone's got a negative point of view maybe you know respond to them in a way that is kind of caring and you know, tries tries to help them understand better where they might be coming from. I guess that's kind of you know we could apply that to most things in life. We you know yeah, you can always be kind. You can misinterpret what other people are meaning, and it, you know it's it's at any level um, up to countries going to war with each other and stuff. It's all about 
kind of misunderstanding at the end of the day. So. Yeah, it's the same thing. An untapped review and a dispute over territory that leads to war. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I would say, just to finish off the, the, the first question from Andy, uh, is that we did a video about how to be a, a better and more conscionable beer buyer in these tough times. And one of them is, you know, if, if you don't understand a beer or if you don't quite get a beer or if you don't really like a beer, now is not the time to try and make a stand about that. Like if you don't like a beer, maybe don't post that review. Or if you don't understand a beer, maybe don't give it a bad review. Like by all means, check it in. By all means, ask questions and talk about it. But if you don't like sours, you shouldn't be reviewing sour beers right now because businesses are really, really struggling um, and it's not helping the discourse. Um, as as a as a logical conclusion to that, breweries who want to get people to buy their beer should not be responding to people that do do that uh, in a horrible way. Um, so, section two of Andy's question, which was about use of technology in bars. Yes. Um, there's sort of two elements to this as well, because I completely agree that in terms of accessibility, in terms of education, in terms of simplicity of use, like technology should be being used. Um, and you know, I, I've been surprised. There've been quite a few sort of talks that I've been to where we talked about accessibility in pubs. And when you start to break it down, and you start to realise how inaccessible some venues are, and it's not just uh, you know, not just about like having ramps for people in wheelchairs and stuff. It's also about how comfortable chairs are, having backs to those chairs. It's about you know, there, there's some bars where like the nicest seats um, are, are up a couple of steps. Mm. which means that yeah it's you're technically accessible because people can come through the door and have a seat but you're creating this area that isn't accessible to them um and it comes down to reading menus and and stuff like that as well like you need to have um to be a truly inclusive place you've got to be able to welcome absolutely everyone but the flip side to that and i think it's what you're going to talk about brad is in terms of integrating that in a beautiful way into a, a, a a space that is all about sense sensory analysis of well enjoying your beer or sensory analysis and the people that are there yeah then technology can get in the way right yeah i think there's there's a there's a real charm to a chalkboard uh in a dimly lit room but that you know that the, the kind of uh nostalgia and the, the human touch i think can can can't be underestimated uh you know that a, a good barman and a, and a good publican has, has, you know, worked really hard on that list. That they're, the what they're, the beers that they're supplying, and uh, you know, the kind of the chalkboard or the the little clackerboard or whatever it is that's up on the wall is is kind of a personal expression of of them. So I think there's there's something to be said about that personality that's in handwriting and that's in an old fashioned medium. But then saying that again, I've I've also been to some amazing. Um, taps out in america that that, that used um things from like led uh almost like stock market uh clicker what are they called the the boards that, that yeah, go they, around they're like t- they're tickers yeah like digital ticker, board. ticker, yeah, yeah. ticker boards that was um uh, evil twin wasn't evil it, twin yeah which looked like a kind of monolithic ikea um <laughs> sort of beautiful mid-century scando greenhouse gothic scando well it wasn't gothic on the inside it was sort of black on the outside um which was really beautiful but I, but very kind of cold there's a cold environment um but you know that have been other places as well where they've, they've just used uh kind of big screen tvs that they flipped 
uh, on their sides and 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 used as digital um, lists. Which we went to. What was it, Pizza Boy? Which I thought was all Pizza Boy. Pizza yeah. Boy was awesome out in in Pennsylvania, um, and they had this amazing. They had like I don't know how many beers they had, but it was basically like someone had got in my dreams. And go. What does Brad like? He likes sort of nineteen eighties nostalgia, weird sort of arcade machines and you know neon lights and stuff. And he loves beer and he loves pizza um, and sort of shared dining experiences and stuff. And they just fused it all together and they've made the most awesome tap room, which which had these huge um, you know big screen TVs that just had hundreds of beers on. And it was it was kind of. Um, kind of amazing and and warm as well like it felt inviting so i think you can yeah with technology uh and graphic design you you can you know make somewhere feel sterile or or kind of non-inviting or you know maybe that it's a bit too good for you to be there it can be a little bit snooty sometimes but also it can be embracing and it can be used in in innovative ways that make it more accessible to more people um and like you say johnny that goes down to the furniture and the accessibility with with ramps and all that kind of stuff as well but again we're all we're we're kind of you know a lot of tap rooms are working in spaces which uh you know ex-industrial sort of spots so making places uh that have gone from somewhere which is purely functional to somewhere which is uh welcoming and accessible to everyone can be challenging as well i would say so it's oh 100% and and even even more than these industrial spaces it's more like the old school pubs and that's been a huge challenge with covid because they're you know sm- small rooms with um lots of nooks and crannies so like they've really struggled to get social distancing at all in these small pubs and i think it's the same with getting technology and obviously um accessibility for less able people like it's it's so hard to do that in a building that might even be listed, so you can't even make changes to it. So I'm not I'm not saying that everybody should be able to do it, and if you're not doing it, you're a bad person. I'm I'm, I'm saying that um, wherever possible, it it sort of should be done. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think to go back to the technology point, something that's really going to change, and I well, I hope it changes, is you know all of these pubs have had to introduce ways of doing table service and stuff, and lots of them are using QR codes. Yeah. Whoever invented the QR code was a laughing stock a decade ago. Like everyone's like, nobody uses QR codes. And now they're like this fundamental part of going to the pub in the UK, at least. And I hope that maybe a great solution that would mean that there's greater accessibility in terms of like people who are visually impaired um, or, or perhaps uh, have, have trouble hearing, they can use these QR codes that hopefully will stay on all of these tables and they can scan that and get everything, all the information they could possibly need from that pub in an app that tells them everything about that pub um and lots of people have already built that if you go to like uh, Pembury Tavern which is one of my favorite pubs in London it's owned by five points you know you can you can read all about their beers and you can order food and drink all from that just from scanning a QR code and I think that's a really nice subtle way of getting technology in to help both with accessibility and just with the you know the I guess the user journey would be the cynical way of of putting it yeah i think yeah i think all of that stuff's great and obviously that's something positive that's come out of a very negative uh 2020 is is that you know hopefully people are thinking a bit more about how do we streamline this how do we make this accessible to everybody which is great and i and i but also i still think you know you can't be having a good chat with a barman 
and and getting their knowledge and their point of view on, on what beers are tasting great and um you know hopefully 2021 we're, we're going to be able to get back into the pubs and, and go up and order at, at the bar and dare i say it, have a taster of something from time to time um because i sure miss that Fingers crossed. Right, well, we've come to the end of our 20-minute podcast at a cheeky 29 minutes. Mm. Um, so thanks for sticking out those extra nine, everyone. Uh, we've got lots of exciting stuff coming up. We've obviously got our second episode of the Pumpkin Beer video. We've got a very special bubble episode coming in a couple of weeks. We've still got to release our podcast about the strongest beer in the world. That's still coming. Um, and lots of other stuff, including our 100,000 subscriber celebrations, which Brad and I need to uh, get on top of so yeah. lots is coming um, and I hope you guys will be there to share it with us but uh, in the meantime we'll see you guys on Wednesday for some more spicing up of your lives The Bubble Podcast is brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel Head to youtube.com slash the craft beer channel to watch this week's video and over 400 more exciting episodes. If you love what we do, please, please, please do subscribe and even join our Patreon at patreon.com slash craft beer channel. Love and beer.